This episode is sponsored by ByHeart. And I feel like I need to preface what I'm going to say with this. I'm a huge advocate of breastfeeding. Anyone who knows me well knows that nursing is something I believe in. And all five of our biological children were breastfed until they were 19 to 23 months old. However, we also have fostered and adopted, and I've been so grateful for formula companies in those situations. I'm also grateful for formula companies because our last two biological children, I really struggled with my supply and did all the things, spent so much time and effort, and just was never able to produce enough for them to be able to gain weight and not be hungry. And so I was so grateful for companies like Byheart. Byheart is an infant nutrition company built from the ground up to deliver real innovation on behalf of babies and parents. Their mission is simple, make the best formula in the world. Using the latest in breast milk science, Byheart created a clinically proven, easy to digest infant formula that's made with organic, grass-fed whole milk, certified clean ingredients, and features a patented protein blend that gets closest to breast milk. They're made with certified clean ingredients. It has no soy, corn syrup, GMOs, or palm oil. Curious about Byheart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com forward slash podcast with code crystal for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. So go to byheart.com forward slash podcast and use crystal to get your welcome offer. Welcome to the Crystal Pain Show, where we help you embrace your life right where you are and give you practical steps to get to where you want to go. Whether you are in your car, folding laundry, cooking, cleaning, or maybe even just enjoying a cup of coffee and a few minutes of quiet, we're so glad you're joining us today. Here's your host, wife, mother of four, foster mom, entrepreneur, and author, Crystal Payne. Welcome to another episode of the Crystal Pain Show. I am like, do I even remember how to podcast? Jesse, do you remember how to do this? <laughs> How's that intro go again? It has been five weeks, I believe, since we have recorded an episode. And right from the get-go, I will let you know that I am actually doing the mom multitasking thing. And I'm nursing Kirsten while we're doing the podcast. So if you hear lots of little baby grunts and noises, that is coming from my little sidekick, because it's really hard these days to, to find a moment when I don't have a baby in my arms. Very true. But hey, she's the star of the show today. So That's right. So I was like, girl, she woke up right before we thought both babies were going to be asleep. And then she woke up and I was like, you know what? Come join us because today we're going to talk about Kirsten's birth story. And for those of you who don't follow along on Instagram and don't follow all along on the blog and maybe are just subscribed to the podcast, we had a baby and her name is Kirsten. And we'll tell you more about it in the podcast today. But I was thinking about it. A lot has changed since we last recorded. Nah, not much. Well, it's just been really boring. Because not only did we bring Kirsten home and have now two two new to, newborns, although they're not so newborn anymore. They're more, they're over a month old. Both of them. Yep. So now I don't know what you call it. Do you just call them babies? Babies. But not only that, because for those of you who are new here, I realized I should back up and say we're fostering as well. I'm all over the place. You are. Over the place, that's fine. <laughs> okay. I'm not going to stop and restart. But in addition to having two babies at our house now, 
and having one since we recorded the last podcast, our oldest also got a job. And so I thought it was very interesting because the day that we brought Kirsten home from the hospital, Catherine was doing her job training for her new job. So I was like, welcome to our new life of having high schoolers and newborns. Yep, This is just how our world is going to be now. And it feels very weird to have a child that's old enough to have a job, but also to be doing this whole nursing baby thing again. But it's also wonderful. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't have ever dreamed that you'd be doing it. I would never, never have dreamed this is where my life would be. But we are loving it. And it took us a while to get back to podcasting, longer than we thought. I thought probably we'd do the birth story episode within a week or two. (laughs) Yeah, we were supposed to do a few weeks ago. Here we are five weeks later, but that's okay. We'll talk about the recovery has just been a little longer and just having two newborns has just taken a little bit more time to figure out a good rhythm, but we're slowly getting there. And here we are. So I want to address in this episode, some of the most commonly asked questions that we've gotten over the last maybe eight weeks because some of them were leading up to the birth and then we'll talk about the birth and then I'll, we'll share about kind of what's happened since she was born. So one of the questions that people keep asking is why did we choose to have a hospital birth over a midwife birth? And I say a midwife birth versus a home birth because we've never actually done a home birth, but with our other three, we had a midwife and one, um, Caitlin was born in the hospital because I had to be induced. We were actually planning a home birth with her. Yeah, we started out with a different midwife than we ended up with. We yes. ended up firing the one or something, or she ended up quitting or something like that, like halfway through the process. And, and then we got a new one and she had hospital privileges. So we ended up having a hospital birth with her. And that's a little bit, I think we've talked about that on the podcast before, but I had a lot of health issues. But I should back up and say, so our first, Catherine, who she's 15, um, she was born in a freestanding birth center in Topeka, Kansas, and it was just the two of us. We had such a great birth experience. experience. She Mm -hmm. was two weeks late, which that was not so great, especially I learned with first baby, don't ever think you're going to go early because then it feels like the last five weeks are the longest weeks of your life. But so she was born... Um, in the freestanding birth center with a midwife. And we loved that experience. And I feel like we learned a lot because they did a lot of birthing classes mm-hmm. and just, we were very, very well educated going into the birth. didn't they have the two midwives that were there? They had multiple midwives. Plus they had, I believe. A they had a nurse practitioner nurse that practitioner. oversaw the practice yeah. itself. But as far as at Catherine's birth, wasn't there two midwives there? There were two midwives. Yes. And I had, that was a fairly short labor. Mm-hmm. And I think it helped probably also that I was, oh, girls getting all caught up in the cord here. Okay. Here. Did you want to make some <laughs> snorting noises and say hello to everyone? I wish everyone could see her right now. But so that was a great birth and just went so much better than I could have ever imagined. But I tore and hemorrhaged with that birth. Mm-hmm. And so my recovery was a lot harder than I expected. And this facility that we were at was, it was right across the street from the big hospital in town. So that was really beneficial because there's a possibility you would have to be transported because you hemorrhaged. They ended up only just giving me shots Mm -hmm. and they were able to get the bleeding to stop, but no one told me they educated me so well for the birth. And I Mm -hmm. feel like we were very prepared for the birth, but no one told me 
oh, by the way, when you hemorrhage, your recovery is going to be a lot We didn't harder. even know about hemorrhaging. No, I didn't even tearing. really know any of that stuff. So I remember ever since then with other moms, whenever they're getting ready to have their first baby, I, I just would pull them aside and be like, hey, by the way, mm-hmm. your recovery might be a lot more brutal than you expect. And some of that might have also been because you went so fast. That's true. And because you pushed her out so fast, she came out with her hand over her face. Yes. And so looking back, there was just a lot that we didn't know. They educated us so well for the birth, but I feel like the after the birth, there's a lot that I've learned since then. So we had her in the freestanding birth center. And then two and a half years later, Caitlin was born um, in the hospital. We were planning a home birth with a midwife, but then she was born in the hospital with a midwife delivering her. And that was a hard birth because I was induced at 38 weeks because my hemoglobin and um, platelet count was so low. I had been hospitalized earlier because the numbers were so, so low and they thought something was really, really wrong with me. Ended up, it was just pregnancy-induced anemia and they ended up delivering earlier because I was so sick. But I couldn't have any kind of epidural because of being having such low levels mm-hmm. and being induced when my body wasn't ready to go into labor. Just the whole birth, even though it was wonderful to have a midwife, she was fantastic. She did a great job. It was by far my most challenging birth. And the recovery was a little bit better with her because I didn't hemorrhage, but I had some other complications and I tore again. Then fast forward to Silas, he was born a week late and I was very ready to go into labor. And I feel like with him, I had kind of prepped myself better and I had kind of figured out that one of the reasons that I had torn with both of the girls was because during, when I get to the pushing part, I just want to push the baby out. It's my personality, Enneagram 8, like get it done. And so it's like, I can feel it there. I can just, I would just push as hard as I possibly could and baby would come shooting out, which (laughs) feels really great at the time to get the baby out, but does not feel really great for weeks afterward because you tear. So with Silas, I had done a lot of research and I realized, I think if I pace myself with the pushing part, I think that I won't tear. And so I literally told the room right before I got ready to push, I'm going to pace myself. We're going to do this in three pushes and here's how it's going to go down. And that's how it ended up going down. And I didn't tear. I didn't hemorrhage. There was, there were no complications Mm -hmm. with his birth and it was a very fast labor again, but very uneventful. And I remember walking out of that freestanding birth center because again, we had him in a freestanding birth center in uh, Yoder, Mm-hmm. Yoder, Kansas. Mm-hmm. I had to think about that one for a second. A little freestanding birth center in Yoder, Kansas, which is Amish country. And um, a lot of Amish women would go there. So it was, that was really unique and interesting. But um, I walked out of that birth center and I just remember thinking, I can't believe that I pushed a baby out because I feel so great. Oh, it was a great experience. And, and you were in and out and nothing flat too. I, I, mean, I think they sent, I mean, they sent me home within a few hours. Yeah. But I think and I was the, and maybe the, the birth itself was really quickly. Yes. I think I was only there maybe six hours total. And the problem with that is that I went, it went so well and I felt so great that I ended up pushing myself too hard 
and kind of getting up and getting around and doing things too quickly and then didn't take care of myself and ended up with postpartum depression, which I then realized that I had had with the other two. I just didn't have a name for it. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know enough to know that that's what it was. So I would say with Silas that my recovery physically was the hardest only because I didn't take care of myself. And mm-hmm. I was already kind of, once you give birth to a baby, you're already, your body's kind of worn down, maxed out. Um, and what are you doing <laughs> child? Um, and then when you don't take care of it, it just, it took me months and months. I longer than that. I mean, if you want to add the postpartum into it. Well, and then remember how I would get so sick for mm-hmm. like getting a fever and everything. And it was all just because of not taking mm-hmm. care of myself. But anyway, so that was a big rabbit trail for the question of why did we have a hospital birth? And the reason we chose a hospital birth this time was not because we didn't have great experiences with midwives because like we had great great experiences. We would have loved loved to have a freestanding birth center, but we couldn't find what we were looking for that was close enough to our home because as we learned with Silas's birth, I have very fast labors and we and with Silas are yeah, yeah, it was like 45 minutes, wasn't it? The, the birth, drive, the birth the drive was 45, 45 minutes, minutes away, and it was a little bit scary for me because I went so quickly. Mm-hmm. And to they literally said, If you have one strong contraction, you need to get in the car and get here. And I'm so glad they told me that because it's a good <laughs> thing that I did. So, we wanted a place that was fairly close. And we were hopeful for a freestanding birth center. We couldn't find anything here in the Nashville area. And so we ended up just saying, well, the pregnancy was such a surprise. I had called my OB that I had been to before for some, you know, just regular checkups. And I said, you know, we just said, well, we'll just have an appointment with them and then we'll figure out what to do. Well, we ended up just going with the person that they said she had an opening and then we really, really loved her and I felt very comfortable with her. And so we ended up just deciding, you know what, we're just going to do something different mm-hmm. this time. We're going to have an OB and we're going to have a hospital birth. I will say that midwives spend so much more time with you. And I think that they educate you so much more with different options. Now, I know that I'm making a blanket statement there. And um, you know, I'm not saying that all OBs are this or all midwives are this. But my experience with three different midwives, actually more than three, because the birth centers had multiple midwives. Mm-hmm. Was that, you know, your appointments would oftentimes be 20, 30, 40 minutes long. They would educate you on a lot of things nutritionally and health wise. And here's some supplements you can take and all that, mm-hmm. where the OB's office was much more kind of, here's the five things you do every appointment. And it's just kind of laid out. This is how it goes. And obviously they're like, do you have any questions? Also, though, you were coming at it from a new perspective, different perspective than that you knew a lot going in. And so I think that that helped to truncate the appointments. Well, and that's what I'm wondering because I have two friends who are having their first baby and it seems like maybe they're doing birth classes and other things like that. And so they just didn't, they, I feel like because it was my fourth baby, it was sort of like, she knows what she's doing. Yeah, I'm surprised they didn't say we needed to take birth classes because it'd been 10 years. <laughs> I know they never even mentioned it. And I think the other thing is also because they could, you know, I was bringing up things. Hey, what about this? Hey, I'm thinking we should probably check my iron. It's been a little while. I'm feeling like this. I'm wondering if it's this. And I think that that just 
I don't know. You had your finger on the pulse of how you were doing. Whereas if it was my first baby, I wouldn't have had a clue. I wouldn't have known what to ask or that sort of thing. So we had a hospital birth and we, looking back, are very glad that we went with a hospital birth and we don't have any regrets with that. Another question that a lot of people have asked is, how did COVID-19 affect your hospital experience, your overall pregnancy and prenatal and postpartum experience? And there's one big change that it did make, and that was that our kids couldn't be at the birth, Mm -hmm. which they had really hoped to be able to be at the birth. And that was very sad for all of us when we found out that only you could be at the birth. Um, And we were just grateful, though, that you were able to be at the birth. And Mm -hmm. I would say that the only other change was that there was, I had to really kind of work through some fear of what if you or I get sick. Mm-hmm. What if one of us gets the virus before I have the baby? Right. Because we had heard a lot of things of them locking things down, not allowing your spouse to be in there, putting you in the coronavirus ward, not allowing you to be with your baby and not necessarily at this particular hospital, but just in general, mm-hmm. we'd heard a lot of things of how it wasn't the ideal experience at all. If you got sick or they thought you potentially had a, Mm -hmm. you know, or if you came in with a fever or something like that. And honestly, I think when we had Kirsten, I think that things might've started to level out just about that time. So the the hospital had a little bit more things under control. They never got hit hard or Mm -hmm. I I think they had very few cases actually, but they were starting to get a hold of things and figure out what the processes, their procedures would be. So things went rather smoothly. And actually, it was pretty nice because the hospital was rather empty. Yes, there was hardly anyone there. It kind mm-hmm. of felt like a ghost town. And overall, then the birthing experience, it didn't seem to affect it at all. And I felt like everyone was really laid back about things. And, you know, all the staff wore masks. But I think that they, I don't know, with do they usually wear masks when people are giving birth? I don't even know. I don't know. But but the uh, OB, she gowned up. A t- <laughs> I wish I had gotten a picture of, of the OB was all gowned up. It was, she had the plastic face mask and the gown, rubber gloves over on her hands, over her gown, and had somebody help her gown up. It was really fascinating. So speaking of her gowning up, let's talk about the birth. I feel like we don't have a lot to share with the birth because it wasn't very eventful overall. There were a few things, but as far as births go, it was a pretty standard procedure. The only thing that was surprising to us, well, there were two surprising things. I'll save the one for a little while, but leading up to the birth, I expected that I was not going to go early because I have a history of two weeks late with Catherine. I was induced with Caitlin and not ready to go at 38 weeks. And then I was one week late with Silas. They're just very comfortable in your womb. They just don't want to leave. They just like it in there. So it was very surprising to us that at 38 weeks, I started having signs that labor was imminent. In fact, I went in at 38 weeks for my checkup and my doctor was sure that she's like, I'll probably see you tonight or I'm sure you're not going to make it through this weekend. So that was definitely a huge surprise. I was quite progressed and I was just having every day lots of contractions, lots of signs of labor. 
And it was just one of those things where for an entire week, we were like, it's yeah. probably going to be tonight. It's well, there's one time we actually the- went in. Yes. And, and, and it was just false labor. And which I've never done before. <laughs> and like, Oh, we look like new parents. I know, <laughs> I'm like, it's my fourth baby. Yes. And I'm here. And, and so it was, that was really weird for me and, and just something that I didn't know how to deal with. Cause always before it's just kind of been like, boom, you have that first contraction, you know, you're in labor and then you have the baby. Whereas this, where I would have regular contractions that would hurt. And there was lots of other TMI things that were happening that, mm-hmm. um, just made it seem like, and according to my doctor, you know, you're going to go at any point. And like today, um, you know, we just, don't think there's any way you can last much longer. So that was, I mean, I don't know that that was difficult. It was just strange. And I didn't quite know how to process it because every night I would go to bed thinking, I'm sure I'm going to wake up and I'm going to be in labor. And we'd have to kind of prep for that. And then I wouldn't wake up in the morning and I hadn't had the baby. And so there was that. But as each day went on, it got more progressively clear that this baby wanted to come early. And thank you, Kirsten. We appreciate that about you. <laughs> um, so I Friday was the day that I had her. And I had had a lot of signs of labor over the past 24 hours. We knew that I was um, quite um, dilated and just really feeling like it's going to happen any hour. Um, and we also were very much expecting that it was going to be fast and they had told me multiple times, you know, we usually say to wait until it's the, what is it? Five one one that you're having contractions every five minutes for one minute long for at least an hour. They're like, don't follow that. <laughs> they said, <laughs> if you have one strong contraction or no, what did she say? Yeah. I think, I think she just said, if you have one really strong contraction, you need to go ahead and get here. Mm-hmm. And she's yeah. like, and don't travel far away from, you know, stay yeah. close to the hospital. <laughs> um, so anyway, I was fully expecting that I was going to go quickly. Um, so it was Friday morning, and so we we knew, like, this is it, finally. So we when we got to the hospital, then I'm trying to think. Oh, say excuse me. <laughs> um, all these baby noises. I'm trying to think what time it was when they checked me, and I was. What, when you were the six? When or I, earlier. I'm trying to think because I progressed really quickly. It was like, we got there, they checked me and then they checked me again for some reason, really close within one another. And I, and I was hardly like, I was like, this is, these are not even painful contractions. And I had gone from a four to a five to a six really Mm -hmm. quickly. And I was like, this is going to be amazing. Like this is going to go so quickly. And I was like, and this doesn't even hurt. And I'm at a six. And then it was weird because I got stuck right. at a six for an hour and a half, which was odd because I was like, what? I never do that. But they figured out, they think what it was is that I had had surgery for a cyst in my cervix a few years ago, and they thought that it was scar tissue that I had in there that probably that had to kind of loosen up. So that was why I got stuck there. So that encouraged me. And then... I, they checked me again and I was at an eight Yes, and things were really progressing at that point. And I think that was, so there was, you know, 
it just, it, it was all a blur because it went so quickly. They checked me again and I was at eight and I could tell with every contraction, this baby is going to be coming quickly. And I should have voiced that to them, but I was kind of thinking, I haven't done this for you know, 11 years and maybe my body's not going to go as fast. And I hate to tell them that I'm sure that this is going to be happening quickly. So I didn't say that. And so it was seven contractions, which they were coming kind of right on top of one another that they each got very, very intense and Mm -hmm. more intense and more intense. And so seven contractions later, and all of a sudden I was, it just, boom, it was like, I have to push. And at that point, I during, looked around. Yeah, it was during, during uh, nursing staffing change. Staffing change. They had told me they were going to have a shift change. And I should have said, okay, that's fine, but I'm probably going to, probably this baby's going to yeah. be coming, you know, really quickly. And so all of a sudden, I, I just know I've got to push. Like, I cannot hold this baby in any longer. And I looked around. And it was just me and you in the mm-hmm. room. And that was a really scary feeling for me. I've always wondered what it would be like to give birth unassisted. Mm-hmm. And I quickly discovered that that is not something that I would want to do. Because in that moment, I'm usually very calm and cool in mm-hmm. uh, labor. I don't make noise. I just do my thing. I just breathe. you know. And I always have natural births. And it was at that point when I was like, there's nobody in this room and I have got to push this baby out. And so I said, hit the call button, hit the call button. And then you couldn't find where it was. And so then there was one on my bed and I showed you where it was. And then you're like, she's got to push. And they're like, okay. And <laughs> moves <the> on in. <laughs> Let's and, check you. Make sure you're and yeah, ready they had, to go. Yeah, they had to come in to check me to make sure they could call the doctor. And I wanted to just like look at that lady and be like, I know what I'm doing. I have to push this baby out. Get the doctor in here right now. But I didn't. I let her check me and she was like, oh, yes, baby's right there. And I'm like, yeah, baby's right there. Um, so they called the doctor. Gratefully, the doctor's just, the office is right down the hall. And so I was able to keep it together and not start pushing for, it was a few minutes and they were able to get the people in there and get ready. And I was so grateful because I put down the blue tarp on the bed that you never used. I was just so grateful that I was able to wait those few minutes because they had told me ahead of time, whatever you do, do not push the baby out without the doctor in here. And I'm thinking, well, (laughs) I can't really control that if the baby's coming, but Here's the thing. I'm so grateful that we were able to wait until the doctor got in there because we didn't know that she was going to have shoulder dystocia. And um, so when they said, okay, you know, you're ready, you know, and she's, and I, I literally, I think I said to the doctor, I haven't done this for a while. Can you remind me how to, like, how's the best? Didn't I say something like that? Because I remember she told me, okay, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to have you, um, when the contraction comes, you're going to take three breaths and you're going to count to 10. And I was so glad Mm -hmm. that she gave me that because honestly, at that point, I just, I kind of freaked out because no one was in the room. And then all of a sudden I was like, wait, how do I push a baby out? I can't, I can't quite remember. And... um, Funny time to think about that. Yes. Oh, and wait, what I am I also, doing? I also remember thinking at that point, oh my goodness, why did I want to do this again? <laughs> this hurts so bad. <laughs> but so she tell she told me that. So I'm like, okay, the contraction's coming. And I start doing the th- three breaths and counting to 10 and pushing as hard as I can. And 
she was not coming out. Like I could tell some things were happening, but I was like, how before did I just push this baby out? How did I push a baby out in one push? I don't understand. This is hurting so bad. I was like, I must have gotten a lot weaker in the last 11 years or something. And it was kind of the scary feeling. I'm like, I don't know if I can do this. Mm-hmm. And so I started pushing and there was progress and, you know, but it was, it had been, I think it was three contractions and still her head wasn't fully out. And I thought, why is this so hard? And I've got to get this head out. Like I can't be stuck at this spot for much longer. It is so painful. So it was the next contraction. And I just pushed with all my might and got the head out And I forgot to say that I was birthing on all fours. That's hands and knees on all Mm -hmm. fours. That's how I prefer to birth. I just find that that's the best position for me. I can't imagine laying on my back or something. So I was on all fours and um, was so grateful that even in the hospital that the doctor had let me do that because Mm -hmm. I could tell that that was very standard protocol to not have an epidural. It seemed like that was very strange based upon what, what the nurses were saying and then to birth on hands and knees was very, very yeah, strange. Yeah, because I think that the nurses asked at least twice if the, the OB they was asked okay me, with it. Well, first they asked me, um, honey, are you going to birth on all, you know, are you going to, are you going to stay like this? And I was like, yes, I'm not moving. <laughs> and then, and this is when I'm complete. And then, then they ask the, I know they asked my OB, um, at least two different nurses asked, are you going to let her stay on all fours? And she, we, I'd already talked to her and said, you know, this is how I like to birth. And she, she, she said I could. So I pushed the head out and I'm on all fours and, you know, I'm thinking, okay, that was hard, but that's the hardest part. Now we're going to get the, mm-hmm. you know, and instantly I knew something was wrong because she, my doctor, who's like this very sweet, calm woman, all of a sudden turns into commando mode and goes, Crystal, I need you to flip over right now. And I'm thinking, what? Flip over, flip over right now. So they are trying to get, you know, like the baby's hanging out, the head's hanging out, and you can't like hardly move at all, and you're in excruciating pain. And so they, I think it took you guys all helped me, and I kind of flipped over. Now I'm sort of on the edge of the bed. Mm-hmm. And and this is why she didn't use the tarp. And you said that, like, stuff goes <laughs> splattering everywhere, all over the floor and my feet at your feet. And so then, so I flip over and she's like, you have got to push as hard as you possibly can. And at this point, I feel like I'd worked so hard to push, you know, I'd given everything that I got. I didn't feel like I had anything left in the tank, but I could tell something's wrong. My baby's life depends upon this. And so there were three nurses, I think that were pulling my legs and holding and like pushing them up. And then you were telling me how to push. And then she was coaching me on pushing and I, you said that my face looked like it was going to explode. It looked like you were going to explode. And mm-hmm. usually I'm very calm, quiet, sort of just like breathe, push, mm-hmm. you know. And I was not calm and quiet. Mm. I wasn't screaming, but I was making very loud, like guttural you, noises, yeah, I think. Yeah. Loud for you. <laughs> I think it was, but it's very guttural, like I'm giving it everything yeah, it that was, I have. Yep. You were and it really was, straining. It was kind of weird for me. And I was, and I was scared again. Cause you were, it was, I mean, you were hurriedly trying to get her out. Yes. I could tell we're on the clock here. Yep. I've got to, something's wrong. I don't know what it is, but we've got to get I her was out. afraid you were going to like pass out because you were straining so much and you weren't taking a breath very much because you were 
Well, bearing, she wasn't you saying were bearing she down. Was, yeah, she was saying you push as hard as you can. A little breath and then bearing down again. Um, so. And so, but it wasn't actually that long of a time. But it just mm-hmm. felt it was one of those things where it feels like time stands still because you are doing it's just in slow motion. And finally, then it. Oh, they said it was only. It was less than a minute, honestly, that right. she was stuck in that position. But yeah. it felt like a really long time. Hey, baby. And so then she came barreling out, and as soon as she got out, screaming at the top of her lungs. She had some lungs. And that was good because then I knew, okay, clearly she okay. seems yep. okay. And But it did, it took me a little while, I would say, to kind of calm down from that. And I just kept saying, is she okay? Is she okay? Is everything okay? Um, because yep. nobody had told me what was going on. They just had said, you know, I just knew that I needed to push her out as quick as possible because something was wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, But overall, you know, my doctor said that it was just, um, it didn't, it wasn't major shoulder dystocia and it could have been a whole lot worse. And so. Yeah. She didn't have a broken shoulder or anything like that. And the crazy thing is that I didn't even tear. And that was what was super crazy for me to have flipped over and have pushed harder than I've ever pushed in my life. And you were all mangled in the, in the cords and. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> and so she came out and she was seven pounds, 10 ounces, and had a set of lungs like nobody's business, didn't you, girl? And she um, nursed right away. And I loved how at the hospital, they really encouraged me to start nursing mm-hmm. right away. They had me do skin to skin. They they had me do skin to skin right away. And then they took her, while they kind of cleaned me up, they took her for just a few minutes. Well, and, they And also, they waited quite a while for the cord to stop pulsating. Yes. And, then, and I was able to cut the cord for the first time. So Yes. You've never cut a cord before because nope. you've always been up helping me and coaching oh. me. So... That was fun for you to get to do that. And we took a picture of the placenta for Silas because we've been teaching him all about how a baby is not. <laughs> how are you going to finish this? Oh. <laughs> how babies come to be. But then also we've just been having along the way, having him learn about how mm-hmm. and all the process and everything. And so I told him, I want you to see what a placenta is because it's a really amazing, fascinating thing. Really that is. this placenta in your body is what keeps this baby alive and feeds this baby and stuff. So we did that. I did not encapsulate it. It was really healthy too. Or put it in a smoothie. The nurses, pa- the nurses thought we were crazy just mentioning it. It was just, pretty funny. More power to any of you who have done that. I, that is... Not something that I am going to choose to do, but... Look like a big, thick steak. Okay, we're not going to talk about that anymore because <laughs> you're going to make me woozy. <laughs> but overall, it was really a fairly uneventful, very quick birth. And I was so grateful for her to be out and to be safe and so grateful for my doctor and how quickly she responded in the nurses and all of that, because it could have been, I've talked to so many women who have dealt with shoulder dystocia that it has ended up being a really horrific mm-hmm. sort of thing. And I feel like it was a small little blip, you know, one minute that was scary. And then she handled it so well and was able to just really command the scene when it needed, when she needed to, and um, help me be able to figure out how to get her out and, we have just instantly fallen in love with her. We were already in love with her when she was inside of me. But um, when she came out, it was just so so fun to see the different 
personality, mm-hmm. like little quirks that she has that maybe other kids don't have or do have and um, just features that she has that, you know, we, you have, or I have, or the kids mm-hmm. have. And um, it's been fun also to see the kids just step up amazingly. Yes. With having Champ and Kirsten, they have really had to help out a lot and mm-hmm. they have been amazing. You already said that word, but I'll, I'll repeat it. And just, I've loved them getting the opportunity to just learn so much about what it's like to have a newborn because when we brought Champ home, he had already been in the NICU for a number of weeks. So just different things like meconium diapers. Yeah. <laughs> that they were like, what is that black tar that is coming out of her? And and so they've learned so much that I feel like it's going to help them someday if they have their own children. And just they are so confident and competent with both of the babies and they just love them so, so much. And it's just really fun. And overall, having two newborns, Yes, it was definitely different than just having one, but it's been a lot easier than we expected. Mm -hmm. We have been able to figure out how to have a good sleeping schedule so that both of us are getting at least six hours of sleep most nights cumulatively and um, sometimes more than that. And we've just been able to really enjoy them. And I think that's the thing that was really my hope for me with having a maternity leave And just really wanting, you know, with this opportunity to, after 11 years of having a baby and something that I never expected would happen, to really be able to slow down and savor and enjoy her. And we certainly have. And there have been, you know, there's always little challenges. She's struggled some with nursing at first and with weight gain. And my supply was a lot lower than it's been in the past. And I've always had low supplies, so that has been a challenge, and it's taken a lot of time and energy. But with pumping and a whole list of other things that we've done, and a great pediatrician who has been super helpful, we've been able to figure out how to get my supply up, and I'm very, very grateful for that. And um, I didn't say she was born 39 weeks one day, um, so it was April 20. Oh, you're going to talk April 24th. At 2.10 p.m.? Sounds about right. I think that's correct. My mom is the numbers person. I'm not very good with numbers. I kind of generalize or round up or just guess. But I'm pretty sure it was 2.10. And we named her, like we said, Kirsten. And her middle name is Michaela. And we talked a lot about names when we found out that we were having a girl. Our girls, Catherine and Caitlin, both said, she has to have a K name because we were thinking of not necessarily sticking with K names. Um, and they said she has to have a weird spelling <laughs> so, <laughs> with, because, with one in because they both have interesting and unique spellings. And so it's K I E R S T Y N. And the name Kirsten means it's basically from a form of Christian. So child of God. And then her middle name, Kayla, I chose Jesse, you more chose her first name mm-hmm. because this is that was a name that you've had picked out for quite a long while that you wanted to use. Right. And then I picked her middle name because Michaela means who is like God. 
And I cannot think of any better phrase to describe what finding out about her pregnancy and then her birth and just her life, just who is like God. Mm-hmm. The doctor said that we would never, ever, ever be able to conceive another baby and without any sort of drugs or fertility treatments or anything, somehow God, who was like God, you know, God is bigger than a doctor's diagnosis yep. and her life is a testament to that. And so we're just so grateful for her and um, so thankful. And if you have not gone to my Instagram account, The Money Savvy Mom, and you love baby pictures and baby videos, you can see many, many, many baby pictures and videos there because I've been posting pictures of her in Champ pretty much every single day. And so if you love a daily dose of baby, all things baby, follow me on Instagram, The Money Savvy Mom. We have missed doing the podcast and I'm very, very excited for us to be back to it next week. I'm looking forward to, we will be doing an episode on our favorite TV shows and talking more about television in our home and our thoughts on that. So you won't want to miss that. Jesse's giving me the face of, oh, really? That's what we're talking about. (laughs) Surprise. So that will be next week. And um, I hope you all have a great week and we will see you again. Thank you for joining us today. For more great resources, please visit crystalpain.com. 